Om Namo Narayanaya. This is a recording of a talk of James Swartz on the Bhagavad Gita at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. So, it's the coolest thing. There's nothing more cool than, than, than self-knowledge. Yes, sir. Somewhere in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, he, he gives the knowledge to Arjuna. Like, he touches no, 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 he doesn't. He gives <laughs> No, no, knowledge can't, no, you can't transmit Please. That's Shakti, you can commit energy, you can transmit energy from one body to another, but you can't transmit knowledge so, by touch. Does he not show Arjuna like his... Uh, Oh, you're going to see that we, if we ever get if we can ever get to the <laughs> Just one question. Yeah. Because my, man, my mind is running very strict of this part. Yeah. The, the guru uh, oh, disciple yeah. trip, let's say. Yeah. So is, do you think it's helpful to hope this no, no. <laughs> it's definitely not helpful. No, if you had come from the beginning, you you wouldn't. Uh, no, it's definitely it's it's no, it's wrong. You should so do. If my mind is telling me the shakti path or yeah, the, the, the opening. It's good to to stop it immediately. Absolutely, do your sadhana, do your work, and if you need an experience, Ishwar will give you the experience you need. Thank you. That, uh, experiences are good, experiences are bad. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about them. You're not creating the experience. Huh? Ishwar is creating experience. That's the point here. The self can't create, the jiva can't create. Huh? The jiva can only interpret what Ishwar has created, but it can't create anything. Ishwar is doing the creation. If Ishwar wants you to experience transcendental reality, he will. If Ishwar wants to give you knowledge by making a guru touch your third eye, he will give you knowledge by making a guru touch your third eye. But don't count on it. <laughs> don't long for it. Because it may be, you may wait forever. <laughs> if you, huh? I cannot be experienced yet. Now look at this. We're still on this. We don't really need to finish the Gita. This is the whole thing is right here. I cannot be experienced yet I pervade the whole universe. Isn't that funny? Everything that you're experiencing is the self, but I can't be experienced. Why? Because you think you, that I'm an object. You think, <laughs> the think what, that what you're looking for is an object. Huh? See what Maya does? It makes you think that what the self is something you're going to experience when you're already the self experiencing the self. Everything has its being in me, and I but I am free of everything. No beings exist in me. It means I'm free, I'm non-dual. There's nothing in me, I'm just pure me. Pure awareness, that's all I am. Inside me there's no beings. What? Ishwara Maya. Huh? It's called, we said it, Sat Asat Vilakshanam. 
It's something that's other than awareness that makes awareness look like what? An object. It's something other than the creation, and it's something other than this. This is why it's so hard to understand maya. It's neither existent, nor is it non-existent. It's neither real, nor is it unreal. That's where your experience is coming from, from Ishwara. So just allow Ishwara to, to give you whatever experiences you need and take those experiences as what? As prasad. Whatever experience you're having, take it as prasad. It's a gift from Ishwara. Understand? And stop worrying about it. When the bad experiences come, say, thank you, Ishwara, I need that. When the good experiences come, thank you, Ishwara, I understand, I need that. Because it's not up to you. And Ishwara is not going to give you experience just because you want it. I want a, I want a Rolls Royce. I've wanted a Rolls Royce ever since I was a kid. I don't get, Ishwara doesn't give me a Rolls Royce. <laughs> What's wrong with Ishwara? <laughs> People are that vain. People actually think they should have what they want. But their wants are all fantasies. Huh? It's all just fantasies. Ishwara doesn't care about your fantasies. Ishwara's got a universe to run. And you're part of it. And you're part of it. You've got a job to do for Ishwara. So he doesn't care what, you, what your fantasies are. Huh? He gives you what you need to do what you need to do. And that's the end of it. So pack it in on these silly ideas. I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that. Give me, give me, give me. Oh, Ishwara, please give me this, give me that. Spiritual experience. No, forget it. He gave me all these amazing, mind-blowing spiritual experiences, and what good did it do? All I learned was, I'll tell you what I learned, that spiritual experiences aren't it. Four years of the most amazing spiritual experiences. You can read my book if you want want some good spiritual pornography, you can read it. Because <laughs> it's really, really, huh? huh? And at the end of the day, huh? all I learned was, I don't want one more spiritual experience. Please, Ishwar, do not give me one more spiritual experience. I am so sick and tired of spiritual experiences. Blowing out of my body and traveling to the locus and levitating, doing all sorts of weird stuff. What, what good did it do? I still was an idiot. After all those spiritual experiences, I was still the same dumb jerk that I was before. That was, I still didn't know who I was. What good was it? So, give it up. <laughs> <laughs> Such is, such is my nature that although I create and sustain all things and beings, I stand apart from them. As the wind travels everywhere in space, space is a good example. As the wind travels everywhere in space, all beings live and move in me. Why does he say that? Because space is unaffected by all the things that happen in it. Everything happens in space and space is not affected by anything that happens in it. And the same with awareness. If you could 
understand space, you can understand awareness. It's the same. And then he gets, says, it teaches the unmanifest again. At the end of the creation cycle, all beings return to my unmanifest, and I will them to emerge from it again at the beginning of the creation cycle. With the aid of the unmanifest, which I control, I create all beings over and over. Get here, what did I say? Irrespective of their wishes means Ishwara doesn't care what you want. That's what he says here. Scripture says, irrespective of their wishes, I give them what I want them to have. Ishwara is the boss here. You're not the boss. <laughs> Understand? <coughs> uh -huh. okay. Arjuna, but then you are the boss too, because why? By your actions, you can boss Ishwara. Ishwara gives you according to your actions. So if you know how to act properly, you can do it. You can create the kind of what, results that you want up to a point. You have certain limited control over Ishwara. But there are certain things over which are going to happen whether or not you have done any actions in that regard or not. So. Or Juna, no karmas bind me. I am unconnected and indifferent to them because I shine on the unmanifest. Sentient beings and insentient objects are created and are subject to constant change. When I'm in a body, people do not realize that I am the limitless Lord of everything. Aggressive, godless, self-centered people, their faces turn from the sun, hope in vain, that the fruits of their actions will fulfill them. Lacking discrimination, they pursue innumerable kinds of knowledge. But noble souls with spiritual tendencies fix their mind on me and wholeheartedly seek me because they know that I'm the imperishable source of everything. Because they appreciate me as I am, they wholeheartedly worship me. Surrendering and consistently making an effort to unite with me. Unite means to understand. Not only do they worship and seek me as the one, but they worship my manifold forms, knowing that these forms are non-separate from me. I am the sacred ritual and the sacred fire. I am the... These are the forms now. He's telling I am the sacrificial ritual and the sacred fire. I am the offerings, the sacred chants, and the ones who chant. I am mother and father of the universe. I am the uncaused cause. I sustain and nourish everything. I am what is to be known and the great purifier. I am Om, and I am all the Vedas. I am the nourisher and the sustainer of everything. I am the results of all actions and the giver of the results. I am the witness and that for which everything strives. I am the refuge and the friend of all. From me the whole creation evolves and into me it is resolved. Everything has its being in me. I am the imperishable seed. I am the heat in the sun. I withhold and release the rains. I am death and immortality. 
I am the cause and the effect, O Arjuna. Those who propitiate me by religious rituals, who offer the soma, the sacrifice, and are purified of their sins, go to heavenly realms where they enjoy the results of their meritorious deeds. They enjoy until their good karma is exhausted, and then they return back to sansara, the world of coming and going. But those who inquire into me and understand that they are non-separate from me realize their identity with me. I protect what they acquire and value. I look after them. That means if you keep your mind on Bhagavan, Bhagavan will take care of all your stuff. Arjuna, even those faithfully worship those who faithfully worship other gods unknowingly worship me. I receive the offering of all rituals because I am the only Lord. Because they do not know who, who, who they really worship, they do not come to me. If they worship the gods, they reach the world of the gods. If they worship the ancestors, they reach the world of the ancestors. Spirit worshippers gain the spirit world, but those who worship and seek me get me. I happily receive a pure-hearted offering, no matter how humble, a leaf, a flower, a fruit, even a drop of water. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever rituals you perform, whatever you give, or whatever religious discipline you follow, Arjuna, please do it as an offering to me. This will release you from desirable and undesirable karmas. This karma yoga attitude will endow your mind with the spirit of renunciation and you will come to me. I am the same in all beings. I dislike no one, nor do I play favorites. But those who devotedly seek me realize that they exist in me and I in them. Even sinners who know they are non-separate from me should be respected because their understanding is clear. With this non-dual understanding, the mind quickly conforms to Dharma and becomes peaceful. You can know for certain that anyone sincerely devoted to me will never be destroyed. Indeed, even women, sorry women. <laughs> no, you're not a woman yourself, so. <laughs> so no need to worry. Even, indeed, even women business people. Ooh. <laughs> the lower castes, or those born into families of improper conduct who take refuge in me, ultimately realize who I am. Not to mention it is how easy it is for those with fortunate births. If you find yourself in this impermanent, unhappy world, may you seek me. May you devote yourself to realizing who I am, offer your actions to me, and surrender the fruits of your actions to me. If you understand that I'm the only desirable goal and prepare yourself in this way, you will reach me. Krishna said, is that in chapter 9, right? Chapter 10. Krishna said, since you are pleased with my words, 
I will reveal my limitless glory. Because I am the uncaused cause, neither the gods nor the sages understand how I manifest my glory. The undiluted mortal who knows me is unborn, beyond cause and effect, and as the limitless Lord of the world is released from merit and demerit. In Vedanta, we're not interested in good karma. We're not interested in bad karma. We're interested in freedom from karma, good karma and bad karma. <clears throat> the, now, here, here's a small list of values which will help you to understand who you are. These are this is called knowledge or jnanam, and it's what? It's not self-knowledge, but it's knowledge of values which will help you to understand. If you develop these, these are things you can develop and understand in yourself and develop. They will help to understand this knowledge. The capacity to understand, freedom from delusion, the ability to accommodate, big one right there, huge, huge issue. Learn to accommodate to what happens. Don't try to make what happens accommodate to you. Composure, truthfulness, restraint in behavior, the ability to think clearly, pleasure, creation, destruction, fear and fearlessness, harmlessness, equanimity, satisfaction, religious discipline, charity, fame, and infamy come from me alone. All these things come from me. These need to be understood. I don't know if we want to go into all the details of all of them. He's just saying, huh? wherever you see anything, what, what you see is what? You see me. These are special things. These are things that stand out. Later on, you're going to see in the next chapter, you're going to get to see some things that you don't want to see. But, huh? <laughs> you're going to have to include that. But Krishna starts with what? Enumerating some of the glories, some of his glories, some of the things that are absolutely essential and obvious and places where you can look and see the self shining clearly. He says that, and he just goes on now. And we're not going to we're not going to read this whole list because it's totally topical. It's completely topical. That means what? It totally only applies to Vedic culture, and Vedicas and Indians who know this culture, and and a lot of it is old stuff that even modern Indians don't know because this was written two thousand five hundred years ago. But the idea in this chapter is wherever you see something special, something extraordinary, something amazing, huh, that's a manifestation of the Bhagavan, of the self. And whatever qualities you have in yourself that are exceptional, and everybody has some exceptional qualities, those qualities, he's saying, belong to what? To Ishwara, not to Jiva. This is to keep you from getting vain and proud and puffed up and think that you're special because you're strong or beautiful or intelligent or whatever, powerful or whatever. All those qualities that, huh, that you want to claim for your own, you cannot claim. All those qualities that make you unhappy and miserable, 
You can't claim them either. They all belong to Ishwara. Huh? Understand. So you can't feel good about yourself and you can't feel bad about yourself based upon your qualities. All of those glories and infamies, all those good qualities and all those bad qualities all belong to Ishwara. They don't belong to you. That's the point here. It's a simple chapter. It's not, it's not, a, it's an important chapter, but it's the simple chapter. The, the knowledge is what? All of it belongs to me, meaning Ishwara. It doesn't belong to Paramatma, Ishwara one. Ishwara one is free of all qualities. It's free of all attributes and qualities. Nothing belongs to it. Because <laughs> there's nothing other than it. So it can't own anything. or And nothing belongs to Jiva either. Except Jiva's thoughts about what Ishwara has given it. All the thing that belongs to Jiva is what you think about what Ishwara has given you. That's your creation. Your interpretation. What you want, your likes and your dislikes, are your thoughts about what Ishwara has given to you. That's what you have to work on. Understand? The rest of it is all belongs to Ishwara. And stop worrying about it. Understand? Give it all to Ishwara. Give it all to Ishwara means understand, it's simply, understand that all of this belongs to Ishwara. All of your good and bad qualities belong to Ishwara. They don't belong to you. <laughs> you didn't create your good qualities and you didn't create your bad... Oh, when I pop out of the womb. You go, oh no, I'm pure. Now let me see, what qualities do I want? Let's see, I'm trying to think. Before I start my life, I need to know what qualities I want. I think I'll really be mean and nasty. Hmm, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll be mean and nasty. Right? Did you do that? Huh? No. Meanness and nastiness is in you. Oh, I think I'll be selfish and vain and arrogant. I think that's what I'll do. That's a good idea. Huh? Do you think like that when you come into this earth? You don't think like that. You don't think anything. You're just... <laughs> Huh. And then what? All those qualities start to come out of you. I think, what about, see, what am I going to do? Oh, I think I'll be loving and sweet and saintly. That's a nice thing to do. That would be a good incarnation. Yeah, I'll be kind and generous and loving and truthful. Hmm. Yeah, compassionate. Yeah, I'll be that too. You think like, no, you don't. Those things happen. You don't create them. They don't belong to you. Why then do you want to own them? Why are you trying to say this is mine? Why do you say I'm selfish? You're not selfish. Why do you say I'm angry? You're not angry. Ishwara is generating that from within you. They all belongs to the field. All of it belongs to Ishwara. It doesn't belong to you at all. It belongs to you when you own it. <laughs> you can only own it if you create it. Then you can say you own it. But you didn't create it, so how can you say you own it? Somebody else created it. 
So by owning it, you're what are you doing? You're a thief. <laughs> you're taking from Ishwara what belongs to Ishwara, and you're saying it belongs to me. That's a thief. You're stealing. Yeah, he said, he used the word, you're a miser, you're a thief, he said. And when you keep it for yourself, you're a miser. You won't, huh? You won't let it go. Because you think it's yours. That's all he's saying here. See, where's the evidence that you created it? There's no, there's no piece of paper that says you own this. <laughs> well, when I recently got, I got married about three years ago, and I, we were in a social situation. I introduced, so I said, this is my wife. That was the wrong thing to say. Boy, did I hear it when we got home. Huh? You're, I am not your wife. <laughs> huh? She's right. She's not my wife. Huh? She's not my wife. How does she get to be my wife? Huh? She's a self. <laughs> I can't, I don't own her. Huh? It's not stamped on her forehead. This is James's wife. <laughs> huh? This is my body. Don't touch me. It's my body. Are you kidding? If you create it, then you own it. But you don't create it, so huh? So how can you own it? This is the, huh? this is the thinking here. This is the teaching. So then he explains all these things. The seven ancient seers and the four progenitors. I could explain all this, but it's useless, really. It doesn't really apply. That's the essence of the idea in this chapter. The seven ancient seers and the four progenitors whose minds are resolved in me are born of my own mind. All the living beings issue from their minds. If you see these glories of mine here in this world, there is no doubt that your vision of me is steady. You are wise if you see me as the creator and the sustainer of everything. That means not you, Arjuna, me. <laughs> meaning Krishna, meaning the self, in the form of Ishwa. So everything belongs not to you at all. Those whose minds are fixed on me, who live by what they see, means what they know, or they live the teaching, or it means they don't worry about the future. They know that everything that they need, they have right here now. Everything you need is always available, always present at every moment. Just look around and see if it isn't there. If it's not there in the environment, it's there in you. It's always present. So he said, that's why he says, live by what they see, by what they experience right here now. It's always there. So you don't have to want it to be anything to be different. Who, who, and what? Who live by what they see, who teach one another. That means who have satsang with one another, who maintaining what? Spiritual contact with people. Not worldly contact, spiritual contact. See? And talk continually about me. What? Because they're obsessed <laughs> with the self. We're obsessed. In the, in the Vedanta world, we're a bunch of obsessives. We're only interested in this. I like, I'm a one-trick pony. 
I, I, you know, in the circus, they have a pony, and he comes out and he does one little trick. <laughs> and then they turn him off, and then the next person goes, he does his little trick, or he jumps his little hoop. And that's me, I'm a one-trick pony, I only know one thing, I'm like a Vedant computer. You just set me down, and you turn me on, and out it comes. <laughs> totally obsessed. Because there's nothing other to talk about. Five minutes of small talk, and, and don't look at my face, because I will look at you with such boredom <laughs> that you will, huh? That you'll think you'll you'll switch onto the self, or you'll leave me. See, I don't like that man. I'll give you five minutes of small talk, of blah blah blah, and that's it. We're only interested in this topic, because what else is there to be interested in? There's only the Lord. That's all there is. What else are you going to talk about? When you're talking about the football match, you're talking about yourself. The football match is only what? A thought in your mind. And the thought in your mind comes, he says, from the mind, what does it come? From me, from awareness. So when you're talking about the football, you're talking about the self. If you know you're talking about the self when you're talking about the football, then talk about the football. But if what? If you don't know it, then shut up and get to talking about the self. Because <laughs> we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear your story. All your sad story about all your misery and suffering. And we don't want to hear about all your wonderful spiritual experiences either. You know, forget it. It's totally boring. <laughs> just, just be what you are and what? Communicate who you are. You know, in every way. That's the idea of it. And so, so these people become obsessed. They revel in me. They're like, God, when I was with my guru, I couldn't believe it. I, I just could not believe it. There was ne I never saw one thought come out of his mind that didn't what wasn't related to the self. It was unbelievable. Oh, Jesus Christ, what's, who is this guy? He's a fanatic. And in a short time, I became a fanatic. And I've been like, I've been, what is it, 45 years I've been doing this. And I'm still not tired of it. I love it. It's still good. It's still fresh. It's still alive. It's, it's, it's beautiful. So this is the kind of people. I grant the vision of non-duality to, non to those who seek me with love and deep commitment. Commit yourself totally. Give yourself up to this. Out of compassion, and what does he do? Out of compassion, I extinguish the dark thoughts of limitation with the shining lamp of self-knowledge. Beautiful, huh? Arjuna said, O Krishna, you are limitless awareness, the light of lights, the great purifier. The sages and gods say you are the source, eternal, transcendent, unborn, and all-pervasive, as you yourself have said. I believe what you have told me so far. Neither the gods nor the demons know who or what you are. You are who you are. You, you know who you are with your own mind. What's that mean? Your self-knowing. You don't need anything to tell you that you exist and that you're conscious. 
Do you? Hey, did you? I may ask any, anybody in this room. I'll bet you ten euros. I'll bet you ten euros that your mother never asked, never told you this. Okay, or your father. Okay, I'll bet you ten euros. Does anybody want to bet? <laughs> what this is what? Did your mother or your father ever tell you that you exist? Huh? Why not? Did your mother or your father ever tell you that you were conscious? <coughs> Why not? <laughs> it's self-evident. That's the one thing you're, that you exist and that you're conscious, what, that nobody has a doubt about. You don't need a scripture for that. You don't need a mother for that. You don't need a father for that. You don't need to read any books for that. Isn't it? That's what he means here. You know yourself. You are yourself without any... You don't need any help to be what you are. You are what you are and you know that. The only problem is you think you're limited that's the sad part. That's why we have the scripture, because we have to get rid of that feeling that you're limited. So you need to go through these steps. Karma yoga, upasana yoga, jnana yoga, and so forth. Then you'll remove that sense of limitation. Indeed, you are the most exalted being, the creator and ruler of all beings, including the gods. Only you are capable of revealing the extent of your extraordinary glories. What is the best way to meditate on you, O greatest of yogis? Because I am still not satisfied, please describe in greater detail your wonders and your glories. He wants to know. Krishna said, because there's no end to them, I'll only enumerate the most important ones. And then he gives this long, long list. Huh? <laughs> it's only the most important. Look at this list. <laughs> it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. These are all glories. This is all where you see the, the glorious aspects of the creation. And that wherever you see something that's exceptional or beautiful, uh, Mount Everest, what a mountain, huh? Or you see an amazing, beautiful oak tree, huge tree, just, huh? huh? There you see, there's something exceptional there, something amazing. Or an Einstein, a guy like Einstein, a brilliant mind like that. He, Einstein didn't, huh? he didn't make that mind, huh? Einstein, you can't give Einstein credit. Einstein was this just a little, little, you know, horny Jewish man. <laughs> he seemed to like sex a lot. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was this horny little Jewish man with an amazing mind. Huh? Where did he get the mind? Ishwara. So wherever you see something, a saintly person, a beautiful saintly person, Huh? Like the Swami here, the, the Shivananda. You see that 
saintliness. You walk in and you say, oh. It wasn't him. It was Ishwara shining there. So wherever you see something exceptional, sort of act of kindness, that's Ishwara. When you see an act of violence and ugliness, well, then you're going to see Ishwara too, but you don't want to hear that now. Ishwara, he's not quite ready for that level. <laughs> you see? Now, in the next, the next chapter, he's going to get to see all the ugly bits. Hmm? Why? Why, do they, huh? Why does he save the ugly bits? Because first, because uh, you'll get scared, which is precisely what happens to Arjuna. He gets scared. He's all in awe and wonder at first, and then he starts to get frightened of it, and then he surrenders to it. Right. Then he understands. But at the beginning, huh, you just tell him the good stuff. Once you've got him hooked, then you tell him the bad stuff. This is this is pure psychology. Huh? This is how it works in business. You just show them the good side. You get them all excited. Huh? And then you say, oh, excuse me just a minute. I, I, there's just some little thing here you need to know. <laughs> huh? And then you show them the bad, the, the small print. Right? You've already seen the good stuff, so then you can swallow the bad stuff. It's easier. But if we start with the bad stuff, then what? going to be hard to accept the good stuff because you'll get so turned off by all this evil and ugliness here you won't be able to what? Accept it. That's, that was Arjuna's problem, wasn't it? He was what? He when, in, this next, in the next chapter, chapter 11, Arjuna is going to see Bhishma and Drona, the two guys that he loves most, his teachers, he's going to see them all ground up to, and, and eaten up by Krishna, just destroyed. He can't stand it because he's sentimental and he's attached to them. He loves those men. They're beautiful men and they taught him everything. And he wouldn't be what he was without those men. And, and, and Krishna's eating them up and destroying them. It's a violent, violent, ugly image. And he can't stand it. And Krishna, huh? So, so the first stage is what? I look for all the beautiful stuff here. And I understand that that's Bhagavan. And then the next, next stage is what? I have to incorporate the violence, the ugliness, the pain, the evil, the suffering. Huh? I have to see all that as Bhagavan too. Understand? And then my vision is complete. Understand? And I have full knowledge, a complete knowledge of Ishwar. And I can accept all those ugly parts of myself. Understand? Because they belong to Ishwar, they don't belong to me. I can understand I can accept those ugly parts. You're not going to get rid of those ugly parts. <laughs> those ugly parts belong to Ishwar. The way you get rid of them is by what? Not owning them. And if you don't own them, then they disappear. They're only there bothering you because you own them. It, when you don't own them, they go back into the unconscious and they don't bother you anymore. They stay hidden in a way. And they're fine. They don't come out. But when you like focus on them, huh, they persist. When you resist them, when you can't accept 
those ugly parts of yourself, what do they do? What resists persists. What you resist persists. They stay with you. So he's saying you're going to have to look at this ugly bits and see that it's me, meaning Ishwara. This is how you set yourself free. This is the knowledge we're talking here. So he gives this long list, and then he says, and then he says at the end of this chapter, he said, There is no end to my extraordinary glories, O Arjuna. I have listed only a few important ones. Whatever glorious thing there is, whatever is endorsed with value, endowed with value, distinguished or mighty, mighty, reveals only a fraction of my glory. Strictly speaking, Arjuna, what use is such a short list? Because I pervade the entire creation with one tiny ray of my awareness. Whew. What does that mean? That means that this Maya world is, yeah, is just one tiny little fly speck in consciousness. This whole creation, which we think is so vast and so huge, is nothing but a tiny little ray of consciousness, of dark consciousness, in which all this is happening. See this dark spot here in the chart? You imagine this white chart extending infinitely in all directions. Infinitely. This goes zillions of miles in every direction. And there's this tiny little... Oh, not even a sun, not even, ooh, that thing. In that tiny ray, all these worlds exist, and all this good, and all this evil, and all these bodies and minds, and the whole thing, what? It's just a dream. So what's the use of even talking about it? That's what he's saying here. What's the point? It's nothing. Forget it. Look at it from this point of view. It's nothing. So pack it in. Perfect. Well, we got the vision of the cosmic form. So we're right on schedule, guys. We're <laughs> 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 huh? right on schedule. We'll get, this is, we got two more days. So we had two days for the first six. And we had two days for the last, sec, middle six. And then we got two days for the last six. So we're going to get right through to the end, it looks like. And I'll give you your uh, enlightenment certificates in the mail. <laughs> Assuming the donation box is good and full. <laughs> okay, good. See you at 7. Om Namo Narayanaya. This is a recording of a talk of James Swartz on the Bhagavad Gita at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. So. It's the coolest thing. There's nothing more cool than, than, than self-knowledge. Yes, sir. Somewhere in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, he, he gives the knowledge to Arjuna. Like he touched his forehead. No, the no, no, he doesn't. He gives <laughs> no, no. Knowledge can no. You can't transmit knowledge. That's shakti. You can commit energy. You can transmit energy from one body to another, but you can't transmit knowledge by touch. Does he not show Arjuna like 
Oh, you're going to see that we, if we ever get, if we can ever get to the city. <laughs> Just one question. Yeah. Because my, man, my mind is running very strict of this part. Yeah. The, the guru uh, disciple uh, yeah. trip, let's say. Yeah. So it, do you think it's helpful to hope? For no. No. <laughs> Definitely not helpful. No, if you had come from the beginning, you'd you wouldn't uh, no, it's definitely it's it's no, it's wrong. You should so do if my mind it's telling me the Shakti Pat or yeah, the, the, the opening, it, it's good to, to stop it immediately. Absolutely. Do yeah. your sadhana, do your work, and if you need an experience, Ishwar will give you the experience you need. Hmm. Thank you. That, uh, experiences are good. Experiences are bad. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about them. You're not creating the experience. Huh? Ishwar is creating experience. That's the point here. The self can't create. The jiva can't create. Huh? The jiva can only interpret what Ishwar has created, but it can't create anything. Ishwar is doing the creation. If Ishwar wants you to experience transcendental reality, he will. If Ishwar wants to give you knowledge by making a guru touch your third eye, he will give you knowledge by making a guru touch your third eye. But don't count on it. <laughs> don't long for it. Because it may be, you may wait forever. <laughs> if you, huh? I cannot be experienced yet. Now look at this. We're still on this. We don't really need to finish the Gita. This is the whole thing is right here. I cannot be experienced yet I pervade the whole universe. Isn't that funny? Everything that you're experiencing is the self, but I can't be experienced. Why? Because you think you, that I'm an object. You think, <laughs> the think what, that what you're looking for is an object. Huh? See what Maya does? It makes you think that what the self is something you're going to experience when you're already the self experiencing the self. Everything has its being in me, and I, but I am free of everything. No beings exist in me. It means I'm free. I'm non-dual. There's nothing in me. I'm just pure me. Pure awareness, that's all I am. Inside me, there's no beings. What? Ishwara Maya... Huh? It's called, we said it's sat asat vilakshanam. It's something that's other than awareness that makes awareness look like what? An object. It's something other than the creation and it's something other than this. This is why it's so hard to understand maya. It's neither existent nor is it non-existent. It's neither real nor is it unreal. That's where your experience is coming from, from Ishwar. So just allow Ishwara to, to give you whatever experiences you need and take those experiences as what? As prasad. Whatever experience you're having, take it as prasad. It's a gift from Ishwara. Understand? And stop worrying about it. When the bad experiences come, say, thank you, Ishwara, I need that. When the good experiences come, thank you, Ishwara, I understand, I need that. Because it's not up to you. 
And Ishwar is not going to give you experience just because you want it. I want a, I want a Rolls Royce. I've wanted a Rolls Royce ever since I was a kid. I don't get, Ishwara doesn't give me a Rolls Royce. What's wrong with Ishwara? People are that vain. People actually think they should have what they want. But their wants are all fantasies. Huh? They're all just fantasies. Ishwara doesn't care about your fantasies. Ishwara's got a universe to run. And you're part <laughs> and, and you're part of it. You've got a job to do for Ishwara. So he doesn't care what you what your fantasies are. Huh? He gives you what you need to do what you need to do. And that's the end of it. So pack it in on these silly ideas. I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that. Give me, give me, give me. Oh, Ishwara, please give me this, give me that. Spiritual experience. No, forget it. He gave me all these amazing, mind-blowing spiritual experiences, and what good did it do? All I learned was, I'll tell you what I learned, that spiritual experiences aren't it. Four years of the most amazing spiritual experiences. You can read my book if you want want some good spiritual pornography, you can read it. Because <laughs> it's really, really, huh? huh? And at the end of the day, huh? all I learned was, I don't want one more spiritual experience. Please, Ishwar, do not give me one more spiritual experience. I am so sick and tired of spiritual experiences. Blowing out of my body and traveling to the locus and levitating, doing all sorts of weird stuff. What, what good did it do? I still was an idiot. After all those spiritual experiences, I was still the same dumb jerk that I was before. That was, I still didn't know who I was. What good was it? So, give it up. <laughs> <laughs> Such is, such is my nature that although I create and sustain all things and beings, I stand apart from them. As the wind travels everywhere in space, space is a good example. As the wind travels everywhere in space, all beings live and move in me. Why does he say that? Because space is unaffected by all the things that happen in it. Everything happens in space and space is not affected by anything that happens in it. And the same with awareness. If you could understand space, you can understand awareness. It's the same. And then he gets, says, he teaches the unmanifest again. At the end of the creation cycle, all beings return to my unmanifest, and I will them to emerge from it again at the beginning of the creation cycle. With the aid of the unmanifest, which I control... I create all beings over and over. Get here, what did I say? Irrespective of their wishes. Means Ishwara doesn't care what you want. That's what he says here. Scripture says, irrespective of their wishes, I give them what I want them to have. Ishwara is the boss here. You're not the boss. <laughs> Understand? Uh-huh. Arjuna, 
But then you are the boss too, because what? By your actions, you can boss Ishwara. Ishwara gives you according to your actions. So if you know how to act properly, you can go. You can create the kind of what, results that you want up to a point. You have certain limited control over Ishwara. But there are certain things over which are going to happen whether or not you have done any actions in that regard or not. So. Or Juna, no karmas bind me. I am unconnected and indifferent to them because I shine on the unmanifest. Sentient beings and insentient objects are created and are subject to constant change. When I'm in a body, people do not realize that I am the limitless Lord of everything. Aggressive, godless, self-centered people, their faces turn from the sun, hope in vain that the fruits of their actions will fulfill them. Lacking discrimination, they pursue innumerable kinds of knowledge. But noble souls with spiritual tendencies fix their mind on me and wholeheartedly seek me because they know that I'm the imperishable source of everything. Because they appreciate me as I am, they wholeheartedly worship me. Surrendering and consistently making an effort to unite with me. Unite means to understand. Not only do they worship and seek me as the one, but they worship my manifold forms, knowing that these forms are non-separate from me. I am the sacred ritual and the sacred fire. I am the... These are the forms now. He's telling I am the sacrificial ritual and the sacred fire. I am the offerings, the sacred chants, and the ones who chant. I am mother and father of the universe. I am the uncaused cause. I sustain and nourish everything. I am what is to be known and the great purifier. I am Om, and I am all the Vedas. I am the nourisher and the sustainer of everything. I am the results of all actions and the giver of the results. I am the witness and that for which everything strives. I am the refuge and the friend of all. From me the whole creation evolves and into me it is resolved. Everything has its being in me. I am the imperishable seed. I am the heat in the sun. I withhold and release the rains. I am death and immortality. I am the cause and the effect, O Arjuna. Those who propitiate me by religious rituals, who offer the soma, the sacrifice, and are purified of their sins, go to heavenly realms where they enjoy the results of their meritorious deeds. They enjoy until their good karma is exhausted, and then they return back to sansara, the world of coming and going. But those who inquire into me and understand that they are non-separate from me realize their identity with me. I protect what they acquire and value. I look after them. That means if you keep your mind on Bhagavan, Bhagavan will take care of all your stuff. Arjuna, even those faithfully worship those who faithfully worship other gods unknowingly worship me. 
I receive the offering of all rituals because I am the only Lord. Because they do not know who, who, who they really worship, they do not come to me. If they worship the gods, they reach the world of the gods. If they worship the ancestors, they reach the world of the ancestors. Spirit worshippers gain the spirit world, but those who worship and seek me get me. I happily receive a pure-hearted offering, no matter how humble, a leaf, a flower, a fruit, even a drop of water. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever rituals you perform, whatever you give, or whatever religious discipline you follow, Arjuna, please do it as an offering to me. This will release you from desirable and undesirable karmas. This karma yoga attitude will endow your mind with the spirit of renunciation and you will come to me. I am the same in all beings. I dislike no one, nor do I play favorites. But those who devotedly seek me realize that they exist in me and I in them. Even sinners who know they are non-separate from me should be respected because their understanding is clear. With this non-dual understanding, the mind quickly conforms to Dharma and becomes peaceful. You can know for certain that anyone sincerely devoted to me will never be destroyed. Indeed, even women, sorry women, <laughs> no, you're not a woman, you're yourself, so, <laughs> so no need to worry. Even, indeed, even women business people. Ooh. <laughs> the lower castes, or those born into families of improper conduct who take refuge in me, ultimately realize who I am. Not to mention it is how easy it is for those with fortunate births. If you find yourself in this impermanent, unhappy world, may you seek me. May you devote yourself to realizing who I am, offer your actions to me, and surrender the fruits of your actions to me. If you understand that I'm the only desirable goal, and prepare yourself in this way, you will reach me. Krishna said, is that in chapter 9, right? Chapter 10. Krishna said, since you are pleased with my words, I will reveal my limitless glory. Because I am the uncaused cause, neither the gods nor the sages understand how I manifest my glory. The undiluted mortal who knows me is unborn, beyond cause and effect, and as the limitless Lord of the world, is released from merit and demerit. In Vedanta, we're not interested in good karma. We're not interested in bad karma. We're interested in freedom from karma, good karma and bad karma. <clears throat> the, now, here, here's a small list of values which will help you to understand who you are. These are this is called knowledge or jnanam, and it's what? It's not self-knowledge, but it's knowledge of values which will help you to understand. If you develop these, these are things you can develop and understand in yourself. 
develop. They will help to understand this knowledge. The capacity to understand, freedom from delusion, the ability to accommodate, big one right there, huge, huge issue. Learn to accommodate to what happens. Don't try to make what happens accommodate to you. Composure, truthfulness, restraint in behavior, the ability to think clearly, pleasure, creation, destruction, fear and fearlessness, harmlessness, equanimity, satisfaction, religious discipline, charity, fame, and infamy come from me alone. All these things come from me. These need to be understood. I don't know if we want to go into all the details of all of them. He's just saying, huh? wherever you see anything, what, what you see is what? You see me. These are special things. These are things that stand out. Later on, you're going to see in the next chapter, you're going to get to see some things that you don't want to see. But, huh? <laughs> you're going to have to include that. But Krishna starts with what? Enumerating some of the glories, some of his glories, some of the things that are absolutely essential and obvious and places where you can look and see the self shining clearly. He says that, and he just goes on now. And we're not going to, we're not going to read this whole list because it's totally topical. It's completely topical. That means what? It totally only applies to Vedic culture and Vedicas and Indians who know this culture. And, and a lot of it is old stuff that even modern Indians don't know because this was written 2,500 years ago. But the idea in this chapter is wherever you see something special, something extraordinary, something amazing, huh, that's a manifestation of the Bhagavan, of the self. And whatever qualities you have in yourself that are exceptional, and everybody has some exceptional qualities, those qualities, he's saying, belong to what? To Ishwara, not to Jiva. This is to keep you from getting vain and proud and puffed up and think that you're special because you're strong or beautiful or intelligent or whatever, powerful or whatever. All those qualities that, huh, that you want to claim for your own, you cannot claim. All those qualities that make you unhappy and miserable, you can't claim them either. They all belong to Ishwara. Mm -hmm. huh? Understand. So you can't feel good about yourself and you can't feel bad about yourself based upon your qualities. All of those glories and infamies, all those good qualities and all those bad qualities all belong to Ishwara. They don't belong to you. That's the point here. It's a simple chapter. It's not, it's not, a, it's an important chapter, but it's the simple chapter. The, the knowledge is what? All of it belongs to me, meaning Ishwara. It doesn't belong to Paramatma, Ishwara one. Ishwara one is free of all qualities. It's free of all attributes and qualities. Nothing belongs to it. Because <laughs> there's nothing other than it. So we can't own anything or 
And nothing belongs to Jiva either, except Jiva's thoughts about what Ishwara has given it. Only thing that belongs to Jiva is what you think about what Ishwara has given you. That's your creation, your interpretation, what you want, your likes and your dislikes are your thoughts about what Ishwara has given to you. That's what you have to work on. Understand? The rest of it is all belongs to Ishwara. And stop worrying about it. Understand? Give it all to Ishwara. Give it all to Ishwara means understand, it's simply, understand that all of this belongs to Ishwara. All of your good and bad qualities belong to Ishwara. They don't belong to you. You didn't create your good qualities and you didn't create your bad... Oh, when I pop out of the womb. You go, oh no, I'm pure. Now let me see, what qualities do I want? Let's see, I'm trying to think. Before I start my life, I need to know what qualities I want. I think I'll really be mean and nasty. Hmm, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll be mean and nasty. Right? Do you do that? Huh? No. Meanness and nastiness is in you. Oh, I think I'll be selfish and vain and arrogant. I think that's what I'll do. That's a good idea. Huh? Do you think like that when you come into this earth? You don't think like that. You don't think anything. You're just... <laughs> huh? And then what? All those qualities start to come out of you. I think, what am I, see, what am I going to do? Oh, I think I'll be loving and sweet and saintly. That's a nice thing to do. That would be a good incarnation. Yeah, I'll be kind and generous and loving and truthful. Hmm. Yeah, compassionate. Yeah, I'll be that too. You think like, no, you don't. Those things happen. You don't create them. They don't belong to you. Why then do you want to own them? Why are you trying to say this is mine? Why do you say, I'm selfish? You're not selfish. Why do you say, I'm angry? You're not angry. Ishwara is generating that from within you. They all belong to the field. All of it belongs to Ishwara. It doesn't belong to you at all. It belongs to you when you own it. <laughs> you can only own it if you create it. Then you can say you own it. But you didn't create it, so how can you say you own it? Somebody else created it. So by owning it, you're what are you doing? You're a thief. <laughs> you're taking from Ishwara what belongs to Ishwara, and you're saying it belongs to me. That's a thief. You're stealing. Yeah, he said, he used the word, you're a miser, you're a thief, he said. And when you keep it for yourself, you're a miser. You won't, huh? You won't let it go. Because you think it's yours. That's all he's saying here. See, where's the evidence that you created it? There's no there's no piece of paper that says you own this. <laughs> well, when I recently got I got married about three years ago and I, we were in a social situation. I introduced so I said, This is my wife. That was the wrong thing to say. Boy. Did I hear it when we got home? Huh? 
You're, I am not your wife. <laughs> she says, she's right. She's not my wife. Huh? She's not my wife. How does she get to be my wife? Huh? She's a self. <laughs> I can't, I don't own her. Huh? It's not stamped on her forehead. This is James's wife. <laughs> This is my body. Don't touch me. It's my body. Are you kidding? If you create it, then you own it. But you don't create it. So how? So how can you own it? This is the, huh? this is the thinking here. This is the teaching. So then he explains all these things. The seven ancient seers and the four progenitors. I could explain all this, but it's useless really doesn't really apply. That's the essence of the idea in this chapter. The seven ancient seers and the four progenitors whose minds are resolved in me are born of my own mind. All the living beings issue from their minds. If you see these glories of mine here in this world, there is no doubt that your vision of me is steady. You are wise if you see me as the creator and the sustainer of everything. That means not you, Arjuna, me, <laughs> meaning Krishna, meaning the self, in the form of Ishwa. So everything belongs not to you at all. Those whose minds are fixed on me, who live by what they see, means what they know, or they live the teaching, or it means they don't worry about the future. They know that everything that they need, they have right here now. Everything you need is always available, always present at every moment. Just look around and see if it isn't there. If it's not there in the environment, it's there in you. It's always present. So he said, that's why he says, live by what they see, by what they experience right here now. It's always there. So you don't have to want it to be anything to be different. Who, who, and what? who live by what they see, who teach one another, that means who have satsang with one another, who maintaining what? Spiritual contact with people. Not worldly contact, spiritual contact. And talk continually about me. What? Because they're obsessed <laughs> with the self. We're obsessed. In the Vedanta world, we're a bunch of obsessives. We're only interested in this. I like, I'm a one-trick pony. I, I, you know, in the circus, they have a pony, and he comes out and he does one little trick. <laughs> and then they tend him off, and then the next person goes, he does his little trick, or he jumps his little hoop. That's me, I'm a one-trick pony. I only know one thing, I'm like a Vedanta computer. You just set me down, and you turn me on, and out it comes. <laughs> totally obsessed. Because there's nothing other to talk about. Five minutes of small talk, and, and don't look at my face, because I will look at you with such boredom <laughs> that you will, huh? That you'll think you'll you'll switch onto the self, or you'll leave me. See, I don't like that man. I'll give you five minutes of small talk, of blah blah blah, and that's it. We're only interested in this topic. Because what else is there to be interested in? There's only the Lord. 
That's all there is. What else are you going to talk about? When you're talking about the football match, you're talking about yourself. The football match is only what? A thought in your mind. And the thought in your mind comes, he says, from the mind, what does it come? From me, from awareness. So when you're talking about the football, you're talking about the self. If you know you're talking about the self when you're talking about the football, then talk about the football. But if what? If you don't know it, then shut up and get to talking about the self. Because <laughs> we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear your story. All your sad story about all your misery and suffering. And we don't want to hear about all your wonderful spiritual experiences either. You know, forget it. It's totally boring. <laughs> just, just be what you are and what? Communicate who you are. You know, in every way. That's the idea of it. And so, so these people become obsessed. They revel in me. They're like, God, when I was with my guru, I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. There was never, I never saw one thought come out of his mind that didn't, what, wasn't related to the self. It was unbelievable. Oh, Jesus Christ, what's, who is this guy? He's a fanatic. And in a short time, I became a fanatic. And I've been like, I've been, what is it, 45 years I've been doing this. And I'm still not tired of it. I love it. It's still good. It's still fresh. It's still alive. It's it's, it's beautiful. This is the kind of people. I grant the vision of non to of non duality to those who seek me with love and deep commitment. Commit yourself totally. Give yourself up to this. Right? Out of compassion, and what does he do? Out of compassion, I extinguish the dark thoughts of limitation with the shining lamp of self-knowledge. Beautiful, huh? Arjuna said, O Krishna, you are limitless awareness, the light of lights, the great purifier. The sages and gods say you are the source, eternal, transcendent, unborn, and all-pervasive, as you yourself have said. I believe what you have told me so far. Neither the gods nor the demons know who or what you are. You are who you are. You, you know who you are with your own mind. What's that mean? Your self-knowing. <laughs> you don't need anything to tell you that you exist and that you're conscious. Do you? Hey... Did you, I may ask, any, anybody in this room, I'll bet you 10 euros, I'll bet you 10 euros that your mother never asked, uh, never told you this, okay? Or your father. Okay, I'll bet you 10 euros. Does anybody want to bet? <laughs> what, this is what. Did your mother or your father ever tell you that you exist? Huh? Why not? Did your mother or your father ever tell you that you were conscious? <coughs> Why not? <laughs> it's self-evident. That's the one thing 
you're, that you exist and that you're conscious, what? That nobody has a doubt about. You don't need a scripture for that. You don't need a mother for that. You don't need a father for that. You don't need to read any books for that. Isn't it? That's what he means here. You know yourself, you are yourself without any, you don't need any help to be what you are. You are what you are and you know that. The only problem is you think you're limited. That's the sad part. That's why we have the scripture because we have to get rid of that feeling that you're limited. So you need to go through these steps. Karma yoga, upasana yoga, jnana yoga, and so forth. Then you'll remove that sense of limitation. Indeed, you are the most exalted being, the creator and ruler of all beings, including the gods. Only you are capable of revealing the extent of your extraordinary glories. What is the best way to meditate on you, O greatest of yogis? Because I am still not satisfied, please describe in greater detail your wonders and your glories. He wants to know. Krishna said, because there's no end to them, I'll only enumerate the most important ones. And then he gives this long, long list. Huh? <laughs> only the most important. Look at this list. <laughs> Goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. These are all glories. This is all where you see the, the glorious aspects of the creation. And that wherever you see something that's exceptional or beautiful, uh, Mount Everest, what a mountain, huh? Or you see an amazing, beautiful oak tree, huge tree, just, huh? huh? There you see, there's something exceptional there, something amazing. Or an Einstein, a guy like Einstein, a brilliant mind like that. He, Einstein didn't, huh? he didn't make that mind, Huh? Einstein, you can't give Einstein credit. Einstein was this just little, little, you know, horny Jewish man. <laughs> he seemed to like sex a lot. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was this horny little Jewish man with an amazing mind. Huh? Where did he get the mind? Ishwara. So wherever you see something, a saintly person, a beautiful saintly person, Huh? Like the Swami here, the, the Shivananda. You see that saintliness. You walk in and you say, oh. Huh? It wasn't him. It was Ishwara shining there. So wherever you see something exceptional, sort of act of kindness, that's Ishwara. When you see an act of violence and ugliness, well, then you're going to see Ishwara too, but you don't want to hear that now. Ishwara, he's not quite ready for that level. You see? Now, in the next, the next chapter, he's going to get to see all the ugly bits. Hmm? Why? Why, do they, huh? Why does he save the ugly bits? Because first, because uh, you'll get scared, which is precisely what happens to Arjuna. He gets scared. He's all in awe and wonder at first, and then he starts to get frightened of it, and then he surrenders to it. 
then he understands. But at the beginning, huh, you just tell him the good stuff. Once you've got him hooked, then you tell him the bad stuff. This is, this is pure psychology. Huh? This is how it works in business. You just show him the good side. You get them all excited. Huh? And then you say, oh, excuse me just a minute. I, I, there's just some little thing here you need to know. <laughs> and then you show them the bad the, the small print right? you've already seen the good stuff so then you can swallow the bad stuff it's easier but if we start with the bad stuff then what it's going to be hard to accept the good stuff because you'll get so turned off by all this evil and ugliness here you won't be able to what accept it that's, that was Arjuna's problem, wasn't it? He was what? He when, in this next in the next chapter, chapter eleven, Arjuna is going to see Bhishma and Drona, the two guys that he loves most, his teachers. He's going to see them all ground up to, and and eaten up by Krishna, just destroyed. And he can't stand it because he's sentimental and he's attached to them. He loves those men. They're beautiful men and they taught him everything. And he wouldn't be what he was without those men. And, and, and Krishna is eating them up, and destroying them. It's a violent, violent, ugly image. And he can't stand it. And Krishna, huh? So, so the first stage is what? I look for all the beautiful stuff here. And I understand that that's Bhagavan. And then the next stage is what? I have to incorporate the violence, the ugliness, the pain, the evil, the suffering. Uh, I have to see all that as Bhagavan too. Understand? And then my vision is complete. Understand? Then I have full knowledge, a complete knowledge of Ishvara. And I can accept all those ugly parts of myself. Understand? Because they belong to Ishwara, they don't belong to me. I can understand. I can accept those ugly parts. You're not going to get rid of those ugly parts. <laughs> those ugly parts belong to Ishwara. The way you get rid of them is by what? Not owning them. And if you don't own them, then they disappear. They're only there bothering you because you own them. It, when you don't own them, they go back into the unconscious and they don't bother you anymore. They stay hidden and away. And they're fine. They don't come out. But when you, like, focus on them, huh, they persist. When you resist them, when you can't accept those ugly parts of yourself, what do they do? What resists, persists. What you resist persist. They stay with you. So he's saying you're going to have to look at this ugly bits and see that it's me, meaning Ishwara. This is how you set yourself free. This is the knowledge we're talking here. So he gives this long list and then he says, and then he says at the end of this chapter, he said, there is no end to my extraordinary glories, O Arjuna. I have listed only a few important ones. Whatever glorious thing there is, whatever is endorsed with value, endowed with value, distinguished or mighty, mighty, reveals only a fraction of my glory. 
Strictly speaking, Arjuna, what use is such a short list? Because I pervade the entire creation with one tiny ray of my awareness. Whew. What does that mean? That means that this Maya world is, yeah, is just one tiny little fly speck in consciousness. This whole creation, which we think is so vast and so huge, is nothing but a tiny little ray of consciousness, of dark consciousness, in which all this is happening. See this dark spot here on the chart? You imagine this white chart extending infinitely in all directions. Infinitely. This goes zillions of miles in every direction. And there's this tiny little... Oh, not even the sun, not even, ooh, that thing. In that tiny ray, all these worlds exist, and all this good, and all this evil, and all these bodies and minds, and the whole thing, what? It's just a dream. So what's the use of even talking about it? That's what he's saying here. What's the point? It's nothing. Forget it. Look at it from this point of view. It's nothing. So pack it in. Perfect. Well, we got the vision of the cosmic form. So we're right on schedule, guys. <laughs> right on schedule, we'll get, this is, we got two more days. So we had two days for the first six, and we had two days for the last, sec, middle six, and then we got two days for the last six. So we're going to get right through to the end, it looks like. And I'll give you your uh, enlightenment certificates in the mail. <laughs> Assuming the donation box is good and full. <laughs> okay, good. See you at 7.